This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. My youngest son loves to play Superman. Not just the small figurines, but we have gifted them with the outfits and the capes. And it's a dangerous sport. Once after watching the Avengers, the little guy decided that he could fly. So he climbed up on top of my desk. He raised his hands up in the air as if to say, up, up, and away. But instead he went down, down, and in pain. The cast on his leg lasted a few weeks. We all know that he is not Superman, though he loves to pretend. And if my oldest son were to take a picture of him dressed as Superman in a position where the light was shining in the window on the camera of his iPhone, and if the light were to make a strange glow in the image of the little superhero, we'd still know that he is not Superman. A strange light on a temporary image does not produce a superhero. If my grandmother were to walk into the room and she were to take a photograph of my son with her old light-struck-the-lens camera, and if she forgot to advance the picture, and the image resulted in a double exposure over the top of a flying bird, we would still know that he's not Superman. A ruined photograph does not produce a superhero. And if the boy grew up to the age of hunting, but he never matured enough to ditch the Superman suit, and he killed a squirrel, we'd still know that he's not Superman. Killing a squirrel does not produce a superhero. The the same thing can be said about anything related to the child. The only way that he could be Superman is if he were from the planet Krypton and he fell to the earth in a spaceship and he had superhuman abilities. Now, we laugh at these scenarios, but in the cult of William Branham, these scenarios are reversed. William Branham's hidden power was supposed to be his prophecy, yet Not a single prophecy can be proven to be given before the event even happened, save a few that obviously failed, like the brown bear prophecy, 
but most of them were so far off that William Branham himself had to change them to fit what actually happened. His one superhero, <laughs> superpower, was nothing more than a child's play act. But to the cult followers, they claim that he's vindicated. Not by his superpower, but by the double exposures in the acts of nature. There are photographs that are obviously double exposed. There's a video of the Freemason pyramid grave that was recorded over the film of a flying dove. Worse, when analyzed, the frame rate of the dove is three to four times that of the frame rate of the gravesite. Not only was it double exposed, it looks to have been intentional. Branham himself claimed that the clouds in the sky and the photographs of fluorescent light bulbs in the Houston Coliseum, the squirrels and the bears and more, he claimed these as vindication, or as he called it, signs that pointed to himself. And the followers took the bait. Even to the few followers who will read or watch this video, they will argue that these are God's signs to vindicate his appointed prophet. And the signs have absolutely nothing, not one thing, to do with the prophecy. The prophet is only vindicated by the prophecy. And according to scripture, every prophecy must be 100% accurate or it did not come from God. If God is speaking through the mouth of a prophet, God is not going to lie to you. If one single prophecy fails, then the prophet was dressed in a superhero costume. Branham twisted the Bible. He twisted the scriptures to convince the cult following that the prophets of the Old Testament were vindicated by God through signs and wonders. Moses, he said, was vindicated by the pillar of fire that led the children of Israel. And followers don't see the power of suggestion that Branham used because he also claimed that the photograph of the fluorescent light bulb was the pillar of fire. Branham knew that the cult would follow that statement on to the conclusion that his pillar of fire was vindication by God and that he indeed was another Moses. But Moses was not vindicated by that pillar of fire. Moses was vindicated through the words of God that God spoke through him. If one single thing that God spoke through Moses failed, then Moses was nothing more than a man in a superhero outfit. The pillar of fire had one purpose, and that purpose was to lead the children of Israel by night. If you actually read the book, you'll find that there was also a cloud by day. And if you follow that out to conclusion, you'll quickly recognize why William Branham lied about being under mystery cloud when he was in Houston. He had to have a cloud by day. There were signs in the Bible. God did give signs to the people because God is not physically present throughout most of the Bible, although he is present. But there's a vast difference from scriptural signs and Branham signs. Branham's signs were designed to vindicate himself. But God's signs 
were designed to vindicate God. The rainbow. It was a sign of the covenant with Noah. It did not vindicate Noah, but it was placed as a reminder forever that God keeps his promises. Moses was given a sign to let the children of Israel know that he was sent by God. It was not speaking plagues and turning his rod into a serpent like most followers are taught. Those were the signs for Pharaoh and his sorcerers. Listen to the difference in the signs given to God's chosen people. Exodus 3.12 And this shall be the sign for you. When I have sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. There's nothing special about that. There's nothing that uplifts Moses. God gave Moses access to great power before Pharaoh. But he did not want the children of Israel worshiping Moses. When Moses did these signs before the children of Israel, they did not praise Moses. Moses did the signs that he was going to Pharaoh to do, but instead the children of Israel bowed their heads and they worshiped God. And the signs had absolutely nothing to do with prophecy. It was simply God's reassurance that they were about to be delivered. Gideon was given a sign by God. He was not confident in his ability to deliver Israel, so he asked God to let his fleece be dry after the dew fell, as a sign that God would be with him. Gideon asked God a second time for the same thing, and God answered. But again, the sign did not vindicate Gideon. The sign was to signify that God would deliver the people. Gideon did not want to stand before his opposition wearing a superhero suit. Gideon did not want to be the superhero. Gideon wanted God to be the superhero. There were many other signs given throughout the Old Testament, each sign given to show that God was God. Not that a man had come to become a new superhero. There were many signs that described there are many signs described that have not yet even come to pass. And though those signs are overlooked by cult pastors who preached that William Branham was the last sign, the last messenger, this is not the case. In Egypt, to Egypt in Isaiah 19, a sign is described, one that has not yet happened. It says, In that day there will be an altar to the Lord in the midst of the land of Egypt, and a pillar to the Lord at its border. And it shall be a sign and a witness to the Lord of hosts in the land of Egypt. And when they cry to the Lord because of oppressors, he will send them a savior and a defender and deliver them. This sign is the exact opposite of pointing to a superhero. It will be a sign of devotion to God, and God will listen to their cry when he looks down from the heavens to see the altar they've built. There are also road signs in the Bible, events given by prophecy to help us and guide us to the truth. If we just follow them, compare these two road signs, one given by scriptures and one given by a false prophet. Speaking to Egypt, 
regarding their coming salvation. In that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and Assyria will come into Egypt, and Egypt into Assyria. And the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. Isaiah 19.23 That highway has been built. We can look to the future when Egypt turns to God. It's a road sign. But listen to William Branham's false road sign. That great eagle called Nahum, 4,000 years ago, went up so high in the Spirit of God that he seen outer drive in Chicago, 4,000 years later. Said, the chariot shall rage in the broadways, and they shall run like lightning. They shall seem like torches. They'll jostle against one another. Chicago! William Branham is referring to Nahum too. This is God speaking through Nahum, warning of the coming destruction of Nineveh if they did not repent. Nahum 2.8 even tells us who this prophecy is given for. It says, Nineveh, not Chicago. Nineveh is like a pool of waters whose waters shall run away. So ask yourselves this, why would a prophet of God throw up a false road sign? Why would he change the word of God and alter the prophecy given to Nineveh so that it could point to his own day and age? Why would he point this prophecy to himself? Sometimes when my son has played long hours in the superhero outfit, it gets very ragged. Through the rips and the tears of an old wasted costume, it's a long stretch to even think he resembles a superhero. But to the cult followers, the harder the stretch, the more the glory in your undying faith in the prophet. Not faith in God, faith in a man. If God were the real target of worship, whether William Branham was sent by God or whether he was a man with the mind of a child in a ragged superhero outfit, it would not matter one single bit. If God were the target, men and women would not spend hours re-describing the signs that only pointed to William Branham. William Branham quoted Matthew 12 all throughout his ministry. An evil and adulterous generation seeks after a sign. Pointing that scripture to his own ministry. It's ironic because that is practically the only thing left in his ministry. If his fictitious stories about his past are taken away, and if all the failed prophecies taken away, if all the twisted scriptures are taken away, we'd only be left with these signs. And they point to William Branham and not to Jesus Christ. Matthew 12, if you read the entire thing, it says this, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and an adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to you except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was in was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he says, 
the men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. The scribes and the Pharisees were looking for vindication of Jesus Christ through a sign. And Jesus refused. In fact, because they did not have faith, faith in Jesus Christ, they would be condemned by the men of Nineveh. Jesus continues, The queen of the south will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to hear, listen to this, the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. Branham also applied that last part to his own ministry. He even preached a sermon with that title, promoting himself as the superhero that was greater than Solomon. Yet in this cult, we have pastors who are preaching against wisdom. Because the wise have noticed William Branham's failing prophecies, and they fled for their lives, the cult pastors preach against wisdom. Jesus said that the Queen of the South, the Queen of Sheba, was saved because of the wisdom. And Jesus said that he was greater than Solomon, greater wisdom. It's ironic because the cult pastors use Branham's twisting of Scripture as their argument to this. Branham twisted the Scripture hidden from the wise and the prudent to also apply to his own ministry. People do not realize that this twisting makes him equal to Jesus Christ. The coming Messiah was hidden to the wise and the prudent. The Bible says that Israel was blinded. Israel was blinded so that Christ could come into the world without the hypocritical Pharisees noticing. The Pharisees in their day... They set themselves up to be the great and the mighty superheroes, the ones who had power over the law. And like William Branham, they twisted the law to fit their own purpose. They had teams of men pouring over the law to debate the words of the law, the letter of the law, so that they could set themselves up for power. They could set themselves up for power and hold the common people spiritually bound. But the real superhero was in their midst. The greatest superhero of all time, Jesus Christ, God's only Son, the one who came to, dis to save the entire world. He needed no sign. He was the Son of God. He needed no vindication. He was vindicated simply by being the Son of God. He needed no men to scream behind pulpits every Sunday like they have no sound system in the days of William Branham. Screaming in their churches, proclaiming the works that he did to prove a stretch lie. Jesus was the Son of God. Branham was not the Son of God. The question today is this. Who is your superhero? Are you trying to prove a man who's long dead and gone, one that copied the works of other men and really had nothing original? 
Or are you trying to uplift a man instead of God, a man, just to save the face of having preached this false teaching from this false prophet for so many years? Are you trying to uplift a man or are you trying to uplift the real superhero, Jesus Christ?